Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Alicia Shanice Reviews. I am your host, it's your girl Shanice, coming back at you with another podcast. We are on episode 204 right now. No, we're on episode 203. And today's topic is the BMF docuseries. Today I'm going to recap episode four and five. I said I was going to start combining the two because they're just so short. It's kind of pointless to come in and, and just talk about one episode that was only 26 minutes long and you know it's just not too much to say especially when a lot of the information we already talked about when I did my um BMF uh recap the documentary I did last year it was a lot of information in there even though this one is better um because you know 50 cent is doing it shout out the fifth but they're just short so um i just said i was going to combine them to make it easier also i'm going to drop my surviving el chapo recap tomorrow a new episode dropped this morning so when i do surviving el chapo we'll do i think it's on let me see hold on a minute i want to get y'all the right information Okay, so episode eight dropped today, this morning, because it drops every Wednesday. And I'm going to recap episode seven and eight, and I'll do that. It'll be out sometime tomorrow. Um, I got to catch up on Hip Hop Homicides. I haven't watched the, la- the latest one. I'm probably going to combine them as well. I know they're doing one on Chinks Drugs, and they did one from the South. I forgot who that was about, but I'm going to recap that. Um, If you watch Dead to Me on Netflix, they just dropped season three. So I'll get the entire season recap out. I'm going to do one episode. I'm not going to do um, a marathon like I did last year for the Netflix shows. I'm just going to do a one recap for the entire season, which I really enjoyed. It was the final season. So I'll get that out as well. But we're about to get into it, break it down, dissect it like we do over here on this platform. After that, I have a sleeper for you guys and my Joe button style shout out to the pod father and shout out to 50 cent in the whole green light gang because i made myself an honorary member because i support everything 50 cent over here um as always if you need to link up talk request anything it's alicia shanice for facebook alicia shanice reviews for instagram alicia shanice reviews 13 at gmail.com um i am a little bit behind on my emails i'm going to catch up on all of them this weekend but as far as the social media platforms if you hit me up i'm gonna get back to you the same day you can dm inbox email me if you have any recap requests with that being a tv show a movie a docuseries um uh, you know something like that or if you just want to say hey what's up And most definitely, if you have any brands or any businesses or anything you're working on and you want me to shout it out, just hit me up. I I would love to do that. I don't mind showing love to whom shows loves to me because I love whom loves me. So I want to spread the love back. As always, you know, you can hit me up on um, all of those platforms and then check out my music playlist on Spotify. Um, You know, there's so much music out there and I make my playlist because I love music and I got some long range ears. So, you know, if you type in uh, Shanice Loves, it will my picture profile is going to pop up. You click on it. It's going to take you to every playlist I have. I have every genre because I got some long range ears. Check your girl out. Hit that follow button so I can get those playlists up. But I think that was pretty much everything I had to say. If not, I'll announce it on my surviving El Chapo. 
uh, we'll get episode 204 out. I'm going to try to get that out tomorrow. I'm loving that podcast series. So on that note, let's get into the show and let's talk BMF. The world is BMF. So this was episode four. The world is BMF. We see by this time, BMF is doing the damn thing. They spending some people's salary that they make in one year in one night in a strip club. Like they they was doing the damn thing and they were organized. We see Cavario in here and he's been in, in here throughout the, since it started. Cavario um, was one of the founders of Don Diva magazine. Um, we see 50 Cent, <clears throat> he's in here talking. We see the footage of them partying. Um, and this footage has been circulating online for years. So a lot of the old footages they're showing a Meech partying with um Puffy, Scrappy, Nelly, Fabulous, all of them. It's been circulating for years. Um, they have it in the uh series. Um, we see every business at in in Atlanta at that time was eating off of, off of them because of all the money they put in, you know, the restaurants, the hair salons, the strip clubs, etc. You know, Meach really organized something. And he had a vision, you know, a Michigan born hustler. We see Tip in here, and he's talking about how, you know, Big Meach made the destination for strip clubs to be Atlanta. You know, they they made it that way. So this also, with them blowing up the way they were, being flamboyant, being out there flashing, flossing, balling, what that do? It put them on a the radar for law enforcement. So <clears throat> we get introduced to Jack Harvey. He is the DEA of DEAs. Um, he was a DEA agent who had a lot of experience growing up and being raised, um, you know, by an FBI family. His parents were FBI agents. So he had a lot of experience and he did not come to play. Um, I always crack up with um, the friction between the DEA and the CIA. I cover that a lot when we talk the narcos talk because the DEA, they're about business. You know, you don't really find, I'm not saying you, there's none, but with the DEA, you don't really find too many corrupt ones in there. Uh, but I, I don't know, like DEA agents, they, they, they're they interesting and they weren't took serious back in the 80s, especially. They used to look at them like basically mall cops. And, you know, that changed um, with the murder of Kiki Camarano in 87. So I did a lot of research on DEA agents. So I have, a you know, I, they're different. They're different, but they don't play. They They do not play. 
So we see some of the other law enforcement officers there in the series and they're talking. We see Brian Burns. He became an officer because he felt like, you know, the inner communities, they needed someone to police them who looked like them. And his father always wanted to be in law enforcement. But back in the day, blacks could not be a part of the Atlanta Police Department. And that wasn't too long ago. So we see he ain't came too far, you know. They started hanging around uh, in Magic City and watching the scene, uh, watching them from afar, because that's where um, Big Meachnum, that's where they was getting so much notoriety from their partying scenes, and they were in Magic City all the time, and the cops were in there watching. So we see they were living, they were flossing, they was living good. We see little Meech mother, she's in there and she talks about their relationship and her getting pregnant. She didn't get to spend a lot of time with Meech, it, but when she gave birth to um, Meech, he, little Meech, he was a proud dad. He was proud to have a junior, took him everywhere. So um, it goes on to show how the Flannery family loved music. It was instilled in them from their father. So, you know, I, I believe that if he never would have got incarcerated, he probably would have eventually had a big, big label and became a mogul like he wanted to. But at the time, you know, that he was doing so much partying and only had one artist, which was Blue Da Vinci. And we'll talk about that a little bit down the line. But from the start, hip hop in the streets, they were intertwined from the beginning. They were intertwined from the beginning. A lot of um the hustlers, the real hustlers, um, you know, after the Contra War and Reagan was out of there and Bush, when they got done with what they needed to get done to get all the drugs over here, that's when they wanted to crack shit down. They brought it over here, let it, let them do what they wanted to do. But in the late 80s, early 90s, that's when they really started to crack down. And they weren't playing. They brought out so many different laws and was locking people up who are still locked up to this day. So that's when a lot of the hustlers started to say, okay, this hip hop thing, you know, it's intertwined with the streets. You know, this is the way we live. They talking about what we do. So they start wanting to, you know, put their money in there and clean it and wash it. So it wasn't, like I said, it was intertwined from the beginning because, you know, hip hop started getting big coming out like in the eighties. And then that's when the, you know, the hustlers, of course, they were still getting money. Look at Meachnum, but a lot of them started to want to clean their money and go the legit way with the music industry, especially in hip hop. So <clears throat> we see Meach was running around with Puff, Suge, Jermaine Dupree, everybody. He was the black Pablo Escobar, but, you know, planned on being a big music mogul. And I believe he would have did it because we see what he put together could not be done again. Like he, what he put together was amazing. And it, it's not like they were just so easy to take down, even with all the flossing and everything that they were doing. It wasn't easy to, to take him down. And then, you know, truth be told, a lot of what he got in trouble for was because of his brother's recordings, you know. So, you know, they weren't easy to bring down. So it shows you how and how organized he was and, you know, to be, to be able to put an organization like that together, ran like that, him and his brother, of course, he would have been big in, uh, when he went legit. So they show the iconic footage of Andre 3000 at the Source Awards saying the South got something to say. And that was a big thing back in the day with the whole, 
East Coast, West Coast war going on. Nobody took the South seriously. And one thing about the East Coast, I love me some East Coast music. I um some of the, the East Coast rappers are some of my favorite rappers, you know, from the golden era of the 90s. But East Coast, especially New York, they were arrogant. It is what it is. And, you know, nobody took the South serious. They would say they was country. They couldn't rap. They ain't had no, you know, no lyrical skills. And when Andre 3000 did that, he, um, he, he, everybody heard. And then that was the thing. Two chains, he was in the dock and he was saying that. But when the South finally did get hurt, it ain't stopped. It ain't stopped. And Andre 3000 got up there saying that. So that was a big thing in hip hop. Uh, the Source Awards in the 90s was something different, you know, a very iconic time. So while he's saying that and they're blowing up and everybody coming to the South, to the freak nicks and everything, they see Meacham doing the damn thing. We see Jeezy. He's in a lot of the old footage. Um, we see um, Meach was so respected that he would have DJs at strip clubs playing a whole playlist for him the whole night. And um, they go on to say how uh, he had Jeezy mixtape playing back to back to back. And they would play um, his one song with Bum B, Trap or Die, like seven times in a row. So Jeezy's notoriety... <laughs> I mean, Jeezy made some fire-ass music because um, when he came out, I think I had just graduated high school, when he started getting big, um, his music was everywhere. But that being affiliated with Meachnum, it, it made it even more authentic, you know? And with Meach playing his songs like that, you would have thought he would have been playing Blue Da Vinci songs, <laughs> but um, with him playing his music like that, that made it even better. Like, you know what I'm saying? In my humble opinion, Jeezy, he had fire music, but at the same time, Meach affiliation played a lot of major part in it. So um, Meach was uh, starting up BMF Entertainment. He even had Juice Magazine. Both of those were born. But um Meach's main focus was on Blue Da Vinci and the cop. He in the docuseries talking about Blue Da Vinci was garbage. <laughs> so, Blue Da Vinci career didn't go far like he wanted it to. It would have been good if he could have signed Jeezy, but who knows if Jeezy would have ended up getting indicted along with the rest of them. And he might not have been where he is today because he is a, a true businessman. He is, you know, a legend in his own right. But it just shows you on like, damn like he had Jeezy and at that time Jeezy was the man you know he had the snowman thing everybody had the snowman shirts so yeah but anyway uh moving along we see law enforcement saying that they knew it was too much money for it just being one artist signed to the label and that one artist was Blue Da Vinci they just had too much money they was doing too much and also their organ organization was so solid Nobody was talking like it was no cracks in their system. So that just shows you on how organized uh, Big Meech was. So it goes on to show September 2003, it was a home invasion. And we talked about this guy, Doc Marshall, when I did the recap on the documentary last year. Doc Marshall, he didn't, you know, if you looked at him, you wouldn't have thought he was even affiliated with these guys. But he was, you know, a genius. But he ended up having a home invasion. He ended up killing the intruder. And it, by it was an intruder, it was justified. But while snooping around, they discovered a record. So that erupted the um, the beginning of them investigating even more on the Flannery brothers. So they started connecting the dots and being able to put names with the faces. Um, 
we see Big Meech was everywhere. He was partying like it was no tomorrow. He had he was popping up in music videos, um, showing you know Meech and you know they had a total of five billboards everywhere. Like BMF, the world is BMF with pictures of him. So you know the BMF, the world is BMF was inspired by Scarface. Scarface was like the commercial for drug dealers back in the eighties. They went and seen the movie Scarface in nineteen eighty three, and everybody wanted to be Tony Montana and see that billboard. You know, in the movie, it was the world is yours. And not only that, it was like antagonizing the police because they put one of the billboards right in front of the DEA office. <laughs> so after that, you know, Terry was the opposite. He was low key. So when he's hearing about how they're partying, when he's hearing about the billboards, he is livid. He's pissed off. So it goes to the next episode of episode five, and that was called Club Chaos. And it talks about, um, you know, Atlanta and the strip clubs. Uh, at the beginning of it, we see Scrappy. He all in the footage dancing with uh, Meech. And around that time, Scrappy was big. I used to love me some Scrappy music. So like I said before, I said it before when I covered the, um, the BMF documentary. The saying, make it rain, you know, Fat Joe and Lil Wayne. That was all BMF because BMF, they was really making it rain. Like they made it popular to make it rain in the strip club. So whatever they made, they made millions of dollars doing it. And all the millions they made, Meech and Terry split it down the middle. So Meech, he would party seven nights a week. He was partying popping pills living 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 a dream hanging with puff and all of the celebrities and terry of course was laid back so it cuts to october 10 2003 and they had party for 21 days straight and went out that night and they show a picture of anthony wolf jones now wolf was puffy's bodyguard for years and wolf was hella official I mean, real deal. Wolf was well respected in New York and all around. So it goes on to mention the killing of Big Jake, Suge's best friend. And they kind of just vaguely mention that. But actually, that that death of Big Jake have is so detrimental, especially when you talk when you think about the East Coast and West Coast war. Everybody want to say Pac and Big, but this had a lot to do with it as well. It was at Jermaine Dupree's birthday party. And that's one of the real reasons Suge hates Puffy for multiple other reasons. But that's one of the real reasons he hates Puffy. Um, because, you know, Wolf killed Big Jake at that party. I want to say it was 1993. It was 93, I believe. So... It cuts back to October 10th in 2003. But what I was going on to say is like that, they just kind of skimmed over that. But that was a really, really big deal. That's why when Suge got Pac out of jail, you know, it was like they both had mutual enemies. At that time, Pac wasn't feeling big and Suge hated Puff because, you know, the couple years prior to that, Big Jake was murdered after an argument that him and Suge had. And, you know, Wolf and Jake stepped in. So we see back to 2003, all of this could have been avoided. Wolf um, seen his ex-girlfriend over there with their entourage. He went over there, mushed her in the face, and Meech told him to chill out. So, you know, egos, 
this could have been avoided because they say Meech and Wolf were really they were cool. So I want to um say they had they had went on vacation together a few months before that. So they were cool, and it just probably was egos. You know, he's seen his ex. She over there with them. They flossing. They throwing money. She probably had, you know. Well, who knows? I don't want to put anything on that lady. I don't know her. But, you know, just it, this all could have been avoided. Egos and that shit get involved, liquor. So he got escorted out the club. And when they exited out later on, bullets were sprayed everywhere. And Wolf was killed, a dude named Lamont Grady. And Meech was shot in the ass. So it was a big shootout, left two dead and one injured. So he ended up going to the hospital eventually. And then when he got to the hospital, he got arrested. And child, <laughs> the way the retired officer talked about the precinct interview he did while he's already injured was so crazy. And it, it was comical. And it reminded me of season one BMF when Lil Meech was took into the precinct on the t- on the actual TV show and asked questions. If you guys watched the show, remember when Officer Ramirez was killed by Cato? Um, and they brought all of them in and when he was getting questioned how he just was um, so arrogant so smug antagonizing the other cops so I'm like damn I'm like so Meech really did act like this because I had no idea he, you know that was something new to me and it was entertaining to watch on how they was talking about it when they arrested him he went in calm he peed in the corner he laid on the table because they told him to sit down and he like how the fuck I'm gonna sit down I got shot in my ass <laughs> so they did say that that interview was entertaining themselves. So um, the witnesses that they had from the night uh, at the club uh, was saying that they seen, um, you know, bullet spraying and all of the guys jumping on top of meat, shielding him like he was the president of the United States. And when his prints came back, they came back negative. So he didn't even have no gun residue on his hands and they showed the picture of the guy in their entourage who they kind of um, looked at like Meech and he did have a residue on him so this case was basically all over the place he ended up getting a $50,000 bond put on house arrest and it was at the White House was like you know mansion so you know it just shows the friction happening in between Meech and Terry and Meech was like look balling is not a crime because Terry would get so upset about him just being so out there. And we see the White House was actually the headquarters for Terry. So we see after the shooting, uh, law enforcement was not playing. They started teaming up, getting wiretapes ready. They brought in Mr. Britt to help. And they they brought up the show, The Wire, which was so good. Um, BMF with the BMF good dudes, their entourage, their crew. Their organization was watching it. Not only was the cops. So while they watching the talking about, we here, we got to do this. Or we got to switch the phones. The cops listening to all of that. And then they thinking that they in the South. The South is, you know, move a little slower. So they're like, they don't, they don't know nothing about the wires. And they don't know that they sitting there listening to everything. So um, they had in there how they took getting rid of the phone ideas from the TV show, The Wire. And The Wire is the blueprint for shows that we cover today, like The Powers, The Snowfalls. You know, we got to always give uh, credit to the originator, which was The Wire. And we just see on how it was just funny on how they're talking about it. They making jokes about law enforcement, law enforcement watching the show as well. They enjoying it, but they also listening to everything that they saying. So how it was intertwined. So, 
Um, after we see how they was just sitting back, hearing everything from the tapes, they showed the board of the pictures that they had um, with the BMF affiliates and showing on how they started to learn, you know, that not only was this a crew that was just out there flashing, getting money, this was the real deal mob. Like they were official. They were the M they were MOB. Like they were on some Italian mafia type stuff. Like they didn't have the five families. They was one family and they were so organized and they didn't have anybody talking. That's why it wasn't easy to bring them down. And the wiretapes played a major part of that. So they started bringing up the riff um, towards the end of this episode with Terry and Meech, which was hard to watch and hard to know on how it ended, especially on how close they were as brothers growing up. And Terry always looked up to Meech. Um, it's just sad the way how that happened. And they just were different at that point in their lives. Like Terry was like, we're getting all this money. Let's just sit back and just be cool but me shouldn't feel like it was a crime to party so he like you know what we only got one life to live and i'm gonna live it to the fullest and um we see that they said terry started cutting meach bricks up so that put a whole rift in things as well so it was like making his shit bad you know and it wasn't too much meach could do at that time because he was on house arrest so terry had to do more at that so it cuts to um, 2004 uh, in Las Vegas. It was Terry's birthday party, and he felt like it was all about him. He just wanted to have a good time. And then the group had already split, so it was like Meech had his BMF side, and then Terry had his. I want to say he changed the name. His wasn't called BMF. It was called Two Something. Uh, shit. Uh, two. I can't remember it. It's three numbers, but it stands for BMF and numbers. I think that's what it is. I covered it. It just slipped my mind. But they basically split sides. So Terry had his own. Uh, Meech had his own. But Meech crew, his part of BMF showed up at Terry's birthday party with a whole bunch of free meat shirts on, and it shows guns drawing and it getting out of control. But it cut off, so it'll pick back up on that for episode six. But yeah, this this so now we starting to see why Terry is not in this docuseries. I know he's um he helps with the show and him and Fifth is cool. I hope one day that him and Meech could reconcile. If they haven't already, who knows? They might have. Um it was a lot of money involved, a lot of egos and you know, they started the organization together and saw it two ways. One wanted to handle it this way, the other one wanted to handle it that way. But at the end of the day, they're full blooded brothers same mom same dad grew up in the same house so i pray that you know meach gets out soon and they can you know reconcile if they haven't already who knows but it's getting better and better i just like to combine them because it's such they're so short you know but i'm loving hearing the side because normally when they talk about bmf you hear it third party or you hear it from law enforcement side so in there you hearing meach out of his own words and you seeing old footage um, you know, it's been circulating for years, but you're just hearing them talk about it and it's all to coming together and you're seeing Meech's baby mother in there, his sister, his mom. So I'm enjoying it and we're going to keep supporting everything 50 Cent do over here. So I do have a sleeper for you guys. So stick around for that. And I think it's only right that we go ahead and just keep it on this topic and pay, play some Jeezy. Here go the sleeper. Nigga. I'm hearing these niggas in the club, nigga sounding like you, nigga. 
Bite your motherfucking ad lib. Bite your motherfucking style, nigga. What the fuck going on, nigga? You better check these motherfucking niggas, man. Real fuck with real, nigga. And these niggas ain't real out here on these motherfucking streets, nigga. Especially these fuck ass Hennessy niggas, man. Nigga, we been doing this shit since 95. Last time I checked, I was the man on these streets. They call me Residue, I leave blow on these beats. They got diarrhea flow. Now I shit on niggas. Even when I'm constipated, I still shit on niggas. Let's get it. Got some super friends in the Legion of Doom. They blowing purple shit. They keep it high like the moon. I'm an affiliate. I know hit me. I'm a hater like you. Fuck my wrist being niggas steep this. And they how we play. Fuck the mind, get your drama like a DJ. Now tell me I ain't real. AR that I'm holding got a gangster grill. From old school shins to be my coop. Got a hundred niggas ripping, everybody gon' shoot. Shiny nigga, that's your first mistake. Eat your little ass up like a Chantrell plate. Hold high like Domino. Yes, indeed. Try to stack my bacon up. I need extra cheese. You can try, dog, but it ain't. Mix the plate with the soul, yeah, young cheese. You still wanna talk low, man? Soft white like a last call the snow man. That's what they said they used to um 
play back to back in the strip club, play it seven times in a row, that trap or die. And I and I remember that time vividly because I had just graduated from high school and I had my little car and me and my best friend, we used to be outside. We, we was outside. <laughs> and um, we used to be playing that back to back to back to back to back. It was a wonderful time for us. And we were just young girls from just graduated just out you know living in the city freely so i can imagine what it was being for bmf but as always thank you for your support i hope you guys enjoyed this recap i'm uh, um check out the next two episodes and i'll combine them and recap them as well it's the holiday um tomorrow so um if you celebrate it i hope you guys enjoy it if not you know i hope you guys just have a relaxing peaceful day protect that energy at all costs life is too short live it to the fullest live it to the fullest um don't forget you guys can hit me up i have no problem with that i will be dropping surviving el chapo that should drop out tomorrow for my recap of that i'm gonna recap dead to me in a few days um think that's all i have to recap that i haven't did yet i gotta check out hip-hop homicides and i'll get that out as well uh don't forget to stream that pillmatic shout out to jamil from gully tv that whole album is fire so check that shit out i mean fire shout out to jamil jamil is doing the damn thing i respect him uh his book is fire some things i've been through um that can be purchased on amazon as far as my book, we still proofreading it and getting that all together. I cannot wait to share the details with you and share that story with you guys. I I believe you guys are going to enjoy it. I surely hope so because I have put my heart into it. Um, but on that note, I'm going to get on out of here. Um, just have set, have fun and please be safe and just try to do the best you can do. Try to be the best version of yourself that you are capable of being. I love you always. Thank you for your support. It's your girl Shanice, and I'm out. Hope you enjoyed the show with your girl Shanice.